The Gospel reading of today's Sacred Liturgy brings to a close the sixth chapter of St. John's Gospel. The chapter ends starkly. It ends with many of our Lord's disciples drawing back from him and no longer going with him. Even more, the chapter ends with our Lord saying, though we do not hear it at Mass, that he has chosen the twelve apostles, but one of them, Judas, is a devil. Presumably Judas did not accept the teaching that he had heard from the lips of the Son of God about his presence in the Eucharist. There is one bright spot, though, and that is Peter's fervent and strong confession of faith, which gives us hope and fortitude in following our Saviour and accepting his teaching on the bread of life. Note well, as we have heard throughout the chapter, how our Lord does not compromise on this teaching. He does not change it because many could not accept it. Rather, throughout the chapter, time and time again, he doubles down and he reaffirms that it is his flesh we must eat and his blood we must drink if we are to have eternal life. As the other disciples walk away, he also asks the twelve apostles to make a choice, either to believe and accept the new covenant he offers in his body and blood, or return to their former ways of life. It seems that Judas is duplicitous here, because he does not believe, but stays with the other apostles. Some say that this is the beginning of what will eventually be his betrayal of Christ. It is important to note that at no time does Christ compel by his divine power, nor does he seek to beg, to persuade or to cajole anyone to stay with him. He leaves each person with the freedom to decide for him or against him. Each one is perfectly free to reject him though ultimately that will bring its own awful consequences, something we see played out in the life of Judas. This freedom of choice is prefigured by the decision Joshua asks the twelve tribes of Israel to make in today's first reading. Joshua gathers them at Shechem, where God first appeared to their father Abraham, promising to make his descendants a great nation in a new land. Joshua issues a blunt challenge. Either renew their covenant with God, or serve the alien gods of the surrounding nations. Stay or go. Have life or have it frittered away. We too are being asked today to decide whom we will serve and Christ leaves us free to reject him. He also leaves us free to gradually grow cold to him and then by an accumulation of many small steps to abandon him.
While choosing Christ is the pathway to eternal life, the psalm of today's Mass, Psalm 33, proposes to us that even on the pathway to God, he often asks hard things of us. Many are the troubles of the just one, we hear. We are just if we choose the Lord, keep to his way, and accept whatever suffering and hardship this brings, even if it is the misunderstanding of those we love or who share our lives. It is better to endure difficulties, even crushing ones, with the Lord, than to enjoy the fleeting happiness of the evildoer. It is better to be with Christ than to be with Judas. Chapter 5 of St. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians provides another hard teaching for us. It's hard not because it is false. It is hard because it is not correct according to the standards of the world. In seeking to explain the immense depths of the mystery of Christ and his church, St. Paul uses the marriage of man and woman as a beautiful and profound analogy. He begins by exhorting everyone to be subordinate to one another, to give way to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a basic rule for Christian life. A follower of Christ should consider the other person as superior to himself and serve that other person like a servant would. As we know, Christ commanded us to love our neighbour as much as we love ourselves and even to love our neighbour to the extent that he has loved us. Christian marriage is the one flesh union in which all of this is lived, but not just lived, but promised by vow to do so, and for life. St Paul provides a very high standard that Christian spouses can aspire to and can achieve with the grace of God. A Christian husband might be tempted to be overbearing, rather than to serve. But a husband is to love his wife in the totally sacrificial way that Christ loved his church. A husband is meant to love his wife so much that he would die for her. A Christian wife might be tempted to resent serving her husband but a wife is to love her husband in the totally submissive way that the church must obey Christ. So husbands and wives in Christian marriage express their love for each other and their love and reverence for Christ in different modes. But Christ is the purpose and end of their love. Each must help the other to love Christ more. Love is a great thing, so long as it continually returns to its fountainhead, flows back to to its source, who is Christ, always drawing from him a replenishment.
The wife must allow her husband to suffer the loss of everything for her. The husband must lovingly allow his wife to give herself to him. They are equal in dignity, but different in the way love operates between them. It is in the perfect union of two hearts that complete and total marriage consists. This is another hard teaching that might make some go away now in the way that many disciples left Christ over his teaching on the Eucharist. On the other hand, those who embrace it see how good it is. Brothers and sisters, it is easy to follow one's own will. It brings us happiness and pleasure, for sure. But we are made for heaven, not for this world with its ideals. And our Lord has shown us the pathway to heaven. He has given us the means to attain heaven. He has also taught us that we must Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Laudato Jesus Christus.